bring yourself before the sacred, before the holy, before what is ultimate and bigger than your lone life, bigger than your worries, bigger than your money problems, bigger than that fight you had with your sister and your aches and pains, bigger even than your whole being, yourself who is part of and trapped within and blessed with a body that does what you want and doesn't do what you want, that wants all the wrong things and wants all the right things. You stand at the edge of mystery, at the edge of the deep, with the light streaming at you, and you can't hide anything, not even from yourself when you stand there like that. And then what? Maybe you'll call your minister and you'll say, what is this? What am I looking at? What do I do? And your minister comes and stands at the edge with you and looks over. She can't hide anything either, she thinks. Not even the fact that she doesn't know the answer to your question. And she wonders if you can tell. She thinks of all the generations who've come there before you and cast words out towards the source of that light, wanting to name it. Somehow, she thinks to herself, the names stayed tethered to the ageing world and got old while the light remains timeless and burns without dimming. Meanwhile, the armful of worries you brought to the edge of mystery have fluttered to your feet. Unobscured by these, you shine back, light emanating unto light. You, with your broken heart and your seeking, you are the utterance of the timeless word. The name of the holy, is pronounced through your being. Well, these powerful opening words written by the Unitarian Universalist Minister Angela Herrera, these words welcome all those who've gathered here on Zoom this morning to take part in our Sunday service. Welcome to regular members of the congregation, to friends and visitors who are with us today. Also, all those who might be listening in via our podcast or watching on YouTube at a later date. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Jane Blackall. I've been part of this congregation since the late 90s. 
I'm now a ministry coordinator here and also a ministry student at Unitarian College for just a few weeks more. In this morning's simple service of readings and reflections, music and meditation, we'll take some time to explore our relationship to God language and the ways in which we speak about the sacred. This choice of topic was inspired by an impromptu conversation on theology that came up in coffee hour after the service two weeks ago. You never know what you're going to get if you stay to chat. We made a good start on the topic that day and we'll take it a bit further in this service, but don't expect a tidy resolution in the next hour. Eh? It's a subject we're going to revisit endlessly. When we gather for worship, we're gathering to honour that which is of ultimate worth. That's the etymology, worth-ship. We're drawn together by that which is most holy, most sacred to us, most precious and meaningful. And we may find that our language breaks down a bit when we get into this territory. We find ourselves using poetry and metaphor to grasp at something ungraspable, something that's mysterious yet essential. And we, some of us at least, sometimes resort to using that three-letter word, God. So I hope that this morning's service on God language will at least lead you to some new insights, new metaphors, perhaps new questions to explore. Before we go any further, though, let's take a moment to make sure we've fully arrived. Do what you need to do to settle in. You might want to wiggle and stretch, scrunch your shoulders up and let them go. Maybe close your eyes for a moment to centre yourself and take a breath. Let's set aside, if we can, anything we don't need to think about for the next hour. And do feel free to keep your camera off throughout if that makes you feel at ease. Some people just turn it off for the prayers and meditations. There's no compulsion to join in with anything. We do like to see your faces. We like it if you hang around to chat afterwards, but look after your needs as best you can. Whoever you are, however you are, whatever side you got out of bed this morning, you are welcome here just as you are. I'm going to light our chalice now, as I do each Sunday and at other times when we gather. It's a simple ritual which connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over, and it reminds us of the historic religious tradition of which this gathering is part. gather as companions on a journey to be reminded of mystery and of holy things. We gather to see each other's faces, to be reminded of the sacred possibility that even in our essential aloneness we may still connect with each other. We gather to weave and reweave community that is animated by the mystery of life. And we gather spirit of holiness to feel your presence, to worship, to listen, to gain insight and courage, and to celebrate this journey we make as companions. So let's take a moment now to focus on all those joys and concerns we've heard expressed, all those little windows into our shared human condition and let's take them into a time of prayer and reflection now based on some words by Krista Taves. Again, you might want to adjust your position, close your eyes, soften your gaze, take on a posture that helps you feel more prayerful in some way, whatever works for you. 
whatever gets you into the right state of body and mind to pray together and to be fully present in this sacred time and space, present with ourselves, each other, and that which is both within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. We turn our attention to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is. And we tune into your holy presence within us and amongst us. We come together in prayer, even though some of us struggle with what that means. We come together to stand before that which is greater than us, although we may struggle to say what that is. And so on this day, we pray for those things we struggle with in our everyday lives. For the conflicts we feel within ourselves and between us and those we care about. We pray for guidance, for compassion, for the opening of an honourable path. We pray too for those things that give us joy and hope each day, for those things that we trust in, believe in, will make sacrifices for. For these are gifts of grace, and perhaps we need not define them in order to savour them, rejoice in them, be thankful for them. What we do know is that we gather here this morning with all kinds of needs. Some face serious physical problems and are in need of healing. Others need healing of a different kind, emotional, spiritual. Some are facing family problems and discord in relationships. Some are weary with all the many struggles of life and seek assurance that this will someday pass. Others face the anguish of making difficult decisions for themselves for their families and friends, and for the common good of all. For each of us, we speak the deepest prayers of our hearts in different ways, knowing that what it means for them to be answered will look and feel different for each one of us. May we, this morning, somehow, be met at the point of our differences and also in the places where we are one, all of the same breath of life that courses through all living things. May we always hold in our hearts gratitude for those things that bless us with their presence, forgiveness for the ways we have turned from those blessings and the willingness to open ourselves anew to this beautiful and hurting world. And in a moment of silence, may our hearts speak quietly all the prayers of our lives, our soul's greatest joys and deepest sorrows, 
our triumphs and our failures, our regrets and our fears, our disappointments and our losses, our hopes and our dreams. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer comes to a close, we offer up our joys and concerns, our hopes, our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love justice and peace. Amen. We've got our first reading now. This is uh, the first of two offerings in this morning's service from the wonderful Unitarian Universalist minister, Nancy Schaffer. In this poem, she reflects on the conflictive relationship that many of us Unitarians might have with God language. And she encourages us to persist, to examine whatever reactivity we might have to it, and perhaps to think again. For Margaret, who fights the same battle over and over by Nancy Schaffer. Listen, when you quarrel with God, Really, you are quarrelling with those who have come after God. It is not God who taught you only a certain prayer or said reward lies in only one direction. It's not God who said reward rather than embracing love, which is everywhere. Not God who taught you to hate. God, shun God. Those like you, two-legged and mortal, did this. Those also hurt, in turn, by others before them. You could leave off this quarrelling and just begin again, with just yourself and God. You can choose a different name for the holy. Stop cringing when I say mine. Each is only a word for what can't be said. The barest beginning, a glimpse the rest you may do in private. But see, what you do there in private shows. What you come back with is written all over you. It doesn't matter what the particular word is. Only that you have been there to fetch it. Only that you return there often, opening yourself to everything that makes it. Those who taught you what to pray and how to pray were wrong. If what they taught you, you hate, you can begin again. Thanks, Pat. Time for us to sing together now. Our first hymn is Name Unnamed. 
uh, and it echoes some of that reading. It's years since I've sung this one, so I think it might be new to a lot of people here today. There are uh, plenty of verses, so I'm sure we'll pick the tune up as we go along. The words of the hymn gesture at what we talk about when we talk about God, a much broader and more complex set of metaphors for the divine, the ultimate, than many of us will have like, likely grown up knowing about. The words will be up on your screen in a moment to sing along. Uh, we'll try and make sure you all stay muted. But if you don't fancy singing, it's absolutely fine just to listen and ponder the words. And after the hymn, we'll have another reading, this time from Anthony. It's by another Unitarian Universalist minister, John Nichols, and it opens with a very famous passage from the book of Exodus. I am who I am.
I am who I am, by John Nichols. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus shall you say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Exodus 3. John Nichols goes on. Having fled from Egypt to escape punishment for killing a slave driver, Moses took up the quiet life of a shepherd. One day, while he was alone in the mountains, a bush burst into flames. He knew immediately that God was in that fire, for a voice told him that he now stood on holy ground. God had seen the sufferings of the Israelites and told Moses to go to Egypt and plead with Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. Moses wondered why the Israelites would follow him, of all people, and so he asked for a sign, a name that would be give, give the credibility with them. God responded, I am who I am. What's in a name? Why do we ask for them? If someone tells you their name, he gives you a way to get his attention. She tells you something about herself and offers what could be the threshold of a closer relationship. They dispel some of the mystery of who they are. It implies that they may give up even more of that mystery as your acquaintance deepens. The God of this passage is not going to do that. Not then, not ever. Moses and the rest of us will have to get used to the idea that God is radically, mysteriously and beautifully different from anything we can shape, control or even describe. And that is how God remains free from being defined and therefore not limited by us. We can only hope that once in a while, and likely when we least expect it, we will find ourselves on holy ground. There may be no burning bush in those moments, but we will, as a result, become more sure of who we are and more confident of what we must do. God leads not by becoming more attractive or visible to us, but by becoming unavoidable. I am who I am, or, as it's sometimes understood, I will be what I will be. The Israelites finally sought their freedom, not because they knew God would hold their hands, leading them safely past all danger and then making everything right, but because they believed they had to do it. Something finally unavoidably 
compelled them to leave the comparative securities of slavery for the freedom and terror of the wilderness. As it turned out, God's five-word self-description really meant, I am who you must confront. When those confrontations arise, when we are asked to do what is difficult but right, something crucially important to our future integrity and happiness happens. May we recognise this, even if we don't understand why. Thanks, Anthony. So we're coming now to a time of meditation. Again, you might want to wiggle and get comfortable. You might want to get your feet flat on the floor to help ground and steady yourself. You might want to close your eyes. In a while, we'll have the virtual chalice flame on screen. There's going to be another piece from Nancy Schaffer to take us into a time of meditation. Those who stayed behind for the theology chat after the service a few weeks ago will be familiar with this piece. After the reading and after the silence, there'll be a lovely cello solo from Abby to bring us out of the meditation time. As always, the words and the images and the music, they're just an offering. You're absolutely free to think your own thoughts and spend this time meditating in your own way. So this piece from Nancy Schaffer is titled, That Which Holds All. Because she wanted everyone to feel included in her prayer, she said right at the beginning, several names for the holy. Spirit, she said, holy one, mystery, God. But then thinking these weren't enough ways of addressing that which cannot be fully addressed, she added particularities saying, spirit of life, spirit of love, ancient holy one. Mystery we will not ever fully know, gracious God, and then spirit of this earth, God of Sarah, Gaia, thou. And then, tongue loosened, she fell to naming superlatives as well, most creative one, greatest source, closest hope. Even though superlatives for the sacred seemed to her probably redundant, but then she couldn't stop. One who made the stars, she said. Although she knew technically a number of those present didn't believe the stars had been made by anyone or anything, but just luckily happened. One who is an entire ocean of compassion, she said, and no one laughed. That which has been present since before the beginning, she said, and the room was silent. Then, although she hadn't imagined it this way, others began to offer names. Peace, said one. One my mother knew, said another. Ancestor, said a third. Wind, rain, breath, said one near the back. Refuge, that which holds all. A child said, water. Then womb, witness, great kindness, great eagle, eternal stillness. And then there wasn't any need to say the thing she thought would be important to say. And everyone sat hushed until someone said, Amen.
Instead of a sermon today, I've got a slightly longer than usual reading for you, about seven minutes, I reckon. It's an excerpt from a sermon by the Unitarian Universalist Minister Scott Alexander. It gives us plenty to ponder in relation to today's theme, and it's called, Which God Don't You Believe In? One of the hazards I have discovered of being a minister is having people proudly proclaim to me, I don't believe in God, if, say, I'm foolish enough to allow myself to be identified as a clergy person at a cocktail party. Usually I respond with a simple, uh-huh, because usually their only purpose in pushing up to my face and saying this to me as a reverend is to shock or upset. But what I do say, if I sense they are actually sincere about wanting a genuine spiritual dialogue, is to say, uh-huh, well, which God is it that you don't believe in? And then I listen carefully to their response. When I've taken the time for such theological dialogue, nine times out of ten, I have eventually been able to say to that person, fine, I don't believe in that old, outworn, dysfunctional, biblical God either. Vis-a-vis -vis that God, we're both atheists. And now we've got that out of the way, discovering what it is you don't believe in, we're free to explore just what it is you might believe about God that would be positive, creative, healing and liberating for you. There are many creative, spirit-enriching ways to think about God. For some of us, God is, as the old universalists put it, love, simply love, a powerful spirit of goodness, warmth, mercy and justice that lives in people and the world. For others, God is a life force or creative spirit or higher power or supreme intelligence or infinite ground of being which animates creation, making life and purpose possible. For others, God is an unknowable mystery that utterly defies definition or description. And I would be remiss if I didn't also acknowledge that for some, God is simply a concept that is of no spiritual usefulness. Obviously, a God concept is not necessary for people to live lives that reflect compassion, goodness and gratitude. Talking about God with our clumsy imprecise words by, by its very nature is often a very subjective and slippery thing to do. Nonetheless I believe there is great spiritual value in our each humbly sharing what God does and of equal importance does not mean to us individually. Without this respectful sharing of our own ideas about and experiences of God how will we ever be able to mature and deepen our theological understanding and spiritual sensitivity? Perhaps some of you have felt the same God that I do. I feel God near me when, in some rare and fleeting moment, I watch the sun peacefully set over the ocean, or see the flicker of candlelight dancing in the eyes of my beloved across a dinner table, or when I witness people in my community working together to care for someone who's dying, or when I crawl into the embrace of sleep beneath a full heaven of friendly twinkling stars or when I join with others to see that justice is done, mercy expressed, decency preserved, love shared. The God I know is not supernatural. It's not set off and unavailable in some purer, nobler world than mine. But it is super because that spirit of life and love is so superlatively sustaining. And it is natural in that it is sunk deep down in the natural everyday flow of life and persons. 
it is, as my colleague Clark Wells puts it, that dearest freshness in deep down things. A life-giving presence that is sunk deep down into the muck and the marrow of this life. A spirit that is freely available to bless and lift and guide me here, now, just as I am in all my foibled and flawed humanity. The God I know cannot do all things. It is certainly not always obvious or available to me, but it remains with me faithfully and powerfully present in this often broken world of mine and it saves me pure and simple with its grace and power and God to me is also a participatory phenomenon a relational reality a living process which needs us if it's going to achieve its fullest and finest reality and power the spirit in the world I call holy is an open unfinished receptive spirit to which I can freely lend my heart lend my soul lend my energies affections efforts and love that which I call God can and does operate for life and love quite without me thank you for I after all am a tiny earthbound creature of little ultimate cosmic significance but I believe my God becomes stronger and lovelier as I become more loving just and giving the God I know and depend on for spiritual wholeness is both a presence and a process. My God is an available, open, holy spirit, a good and gracious spirit, a stir in my world, which guides my heart to action, which welcomes my little frail contributions of beauty and blessing, service and love. We should never dare, of course, to imagine ourselves as synonymous with God, not even on those rare occasions when we are the imperfect vessels for God's holy energy in daily life. That would be the worst form of idolatry. But I believe if we are awake to the holy powers and processes that are everywhere around and within us, we participate in that holiness. And that participation blesses, fills and serves us. I don't expect or even want all or even most of you to have an identical concept or experience of God to mine. When it comes to what the word God means to each of us personally, there will always be a radical subjectivity, a fierce individuality of experience and expression. What I do hope, however, is that unlike the boring spiritual naysayers I meet at various social gatherings, the ones who simply bellow at me that they don't believe in some old, tired, dysfunctional God, I hope that in your life you will be searching for and sensing something that you can call most high and holy, searching for something greater and more gracious than yourself, to whom or to which you can give your praise, your allegiance, your devotion. Words by Scott Alexander. He's given us plenty to ponder, but let's sing again one more time. This is the hymn which inspired the title of today's service, Bring Many Names. It speaks again of just a few of the infinite variety of images and metaphors we might use to speak of God. It speaks too of God's unknowability, it reminds us of the limits of all God language. As always, we'll try and make sure you're muted, so feel free to sing along or listen to the Unitarian Music Society once again, Bring Many Names. Thank you. 
just a few announcements now. Uh, thank you to John for Zoom hosting today, for Janine in her valuable supporting role. Thanks to Pat and Anthony for doing our readings and Abby for the music. We have a few opportunities to connect in the week ahead as usual. Coffee morning on Zoom, 10.30 on Tuesday. Uh, Heart and Soul, our contemplative spiritual gathering tonight and on Friday. This week is on the theme of conflict. We like to take a group photo after the closing music, so do stick around if you're happy to be in that. Um, we've scaled back our programme of in-person gatherings over the summer months, so the next one will now be on Saturday the 17th of July, led by Sarah. Do get in touch with her to book your place for that. Uh, Sarah will also be here on Zoom next week at 10 with a service on the choices we make. We're also expecting a virtual visit from Brighton Unitarians next Sunday, so that will be a chance to mingle with another congregation. And it's fine, as always, to share the Zoom link with your friends, bring them along. Feel free to drop us a line during the week if you want to get in touch about anything. Just got some brief closing words now adapted from Mark Mosher the Wolf, and that will be followed by another little bit of bark from Abby to finish. So I invite you to select gallery view once again at this point so we can get a sense of our community and our connectedness as we close. In our lives, may we know the holy meaning, the mystery that breaks in at every moment. May we live at peace with our world and at peace with ourselves as we seek justice, liberation and the common good of all with whom we share this earth. And may the love of truth guide us through all the days of our lives. Amen.